Hi there, you've tuned in to the Brave Files podcast, and my name is Heather Vickery. I'm really excited to share this week's episode with you. My guest, Cherie Burton, who happened to be a former Miss Utah, was raised in a very strict religion and has endured everything from spiritual abuse to shaming. Her soul healing journey has taken turns past death, miscarriage, and adoption. Nevertheless, she's inspiring others through her books, podcasting, and mentorships, and really just her incredibly charming and wonderful way of being. Cherie reminds us that our past don't define us, and there's always room for growth. In this episode, we talk about the fact that everything that's meaningful shows up when it's supposed to, and somehow that never seems to be convenient but it's always for our soul's expansion and our highest growth. So just because it doesn't show up in convenient ways doesn't mean it's not important. We want you to remember to be who you are. That's actually the only thing you have to be. It's such a fun, inspiring, uplifting, heart-filled conversation, and I'm excited to share it with you. But before we start the show, I want to tell you about something really, really exciting that's happening next week. I am hosting Brave Week again. This free live event will happen at 2 p.m. Central on Tuesday, May 12th through Monday, May 18th. It's going to happen every day for all seven days. I'll be doing a deep dive into my Brave Method. That's the method that's helped me and countless others lean into our fears and leverage them to choose bravely. Because we know for sure that when we choose bravely on purpose, we choose bigger, we win bigger, and it's contagious. This applies in our business and professional lives as well as our personal lives. The cool thing is that this awesome event happens right inside my free Facebook group, Brave on Purpose. All you have to do is head over to Facebook and join the Brave on Purpose group. That's it. You are not going to want to miss a minute of Brave Week. We will dig all the way in, deep dive, great conversations, actionable items for you to get into action on all of this work. I'm so excited to share it with you, and I can't wait to see you there. Now here's the show. Soul-stretching, loving, and brave. This is Heather Vickery, and you're listening to The Brave Files, stories from people living courageously. When we choose bravely in big and small ways, it powerfully elevates our lives. I hope these stories connect with you and encourage you to embrace bravery in every possible way, day after day. Together, we can build a movement of courageous living that enriches both our lives and our communities. And if you enjoy the show, I ask you to please share it with others. Maybe think of someone who you want to choose bravely right alongside you. Thanks for tuning in. Now here's the show. Hey, everybody, it's Heather Vickery. Welcome to The Brave Files. I'm delighted you've joined us today. I am welcoming uh, a new friend of mine, Cherie Burton, to the show. Her message of helping women find wholeness by embracing their mess is one that I believe speaks to so very many of us. Cherie's story of perseverance and a desire to allow her own truth to be part of what makes her wonderful is such an inspiration to me. 
from losing her newborn daughter to her sister and nearly losing herself while still being a mother to a whole brood of kiddos and building an impressive business all by herself. Sheree is here to help you embrace your inner mess and rewrite the story of your life. I had the privilege of being a guest on her podcast, which is called Women Seeking Wholeness. It's episode 47, Leveraging Fear into Bravery. So you can check me out there and hear her show as well. Sheree, welcome to The Brave Files. Heather, thank you for having me. What an intro. You can like took my whole drama of life and condensed it into like 25 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I suspect that there's a lot more to that. (laughs) We didn't, we didn't get everything, but it's a lot in 24 seconds. You, you've experienced a lot of life. Yes. And I am 50. So, I mean, there's that. You're fabulous at 50. I'm telling you, I turned 45 this year. So how's 50? How's that feel to say I am 50? You know what? It feels really great because I get to redefine what that looks like, feels like, and is about. So I really am redefining it. I love that so much. And I, I, 50 is young. I mean, you've got a ton of life, but you have little, little kids. I do. I have a seven and a five year old kids, but you have little kids. Well, I have, well, I have two grandkids. I have a married daughter. I have three college students and then I have a seven and a five year old. There's 12 years between kid four and five. (laughs) That's a lot. You have two. How old are your grandchildren? Yeah. They're little. They're like two and baby. What's crazy is it, it bleeds into the story of what it literally bleeds, like soul bleeds into the story you prefaced with in that the daughter that I, that I lost at birth that I placed for adoption she is the one who's made me a grandma. So that in and of itself could be its own epic <laughs> autobiography or memoir. So my, my, nothing wow. about my, nothing about my path to motherhood or entrepreneur, uh, fempreneuring, whatever you want to call it, business, nothing has been linear <laughs> and nothing has been in the box. So. Okay. And I think that you just, our listeners are right. Like, hold on. Can I go back 15 seconds, that 15 <laughs> second back? Um, that when you say you lost your firstborn daughter, you gave her up for adoption. That mm-hmm. is probably not what they were expecting to hear when right. I said it. Yeah. So it's really couched. Uh, on my how, how old you were? Yeah. Okay. So this is crazy. So I was 25. I had one year of college left. Um, the guy that I was dating, the, my boyfriend at the time, he and I, it was just not a match for us to get married. I actually had planned to break up with him. Anyway, long story short, I was just going to be that statistic and be a single mom with one year of school left. And get, I got my own apartment. And as I moved forward in that path, it just felt so wrong. So after a series of really poignant spiritual and emotional and really physically manifesting strong messages from the universe, I knew that she was not my child to raise. So in about my fourth month of pregnancy, I chose a family. I went to an adoption agency and, um, I basically made an adoption plan, an open adoption plan with a family. And to this day, we are the dearest of friends, the family and I, and the daughter, the daughter that I placed, they actually named her middle name after me. And she and I Marco Polo each other literally every three days. So we got really close after she got married Um, She's now the age that I was when I had her, which is insane. So uh, she has two, Uh I think we just got closer after she had started having children, but it's always been open. Like um, I've been to all of her major life events. And so that story in and of itself taught me a lot about sacrifice 
and it taught me a lot about um, surrender um, and what that looks like spiritually, physically, emotionally, on all levels, socially, everything. So that that happened at such a young age for me that it sort of set set the stage in me recognizing how the universe shows up for me and um, how things can be couched initially in a lot of pain, but can ultimately be for the greater good. So Wow, that is incredible. And you mentioned you sort of couch that information. You do sort of slide that in on the sly. <laughs> Not that it's anybody's business, but one of the things that, that I know, but our listeners don't know is your youngest two children were adopted into your family. Yeah. So you have a whole sort of cycle of, of adoption right. in your story. I do. So these two children came because I was an entrepreneur. Eli, my seven-year-old, his birth mother was one of my life coaching clients and found herself in an unplanned pregnancy, Jessica. She's a professional bodybuilder, as is the father of the baby. So Eli, my little seven-year-old, looks like the Hulk. I'm literally not kidding. He's this Italian Hulk. (laughs) I could not have produced him, my husband and I. They both came through announcing dreams, which is a whole other, like they've been featured on, both of their stories have been featured on a documentary documentary about announcing dreams. Um, but they came very, very, very uniquely. So yes, Eli's birth mom lived with us uh, for about five months of her pregnancy. I adopted him at birth, private adoption. He, uh, she is still very much a part of his life as kind of what I wanted as a full circle thing for my own being a birth mother. As you are with your first child. Yeah. And then Emma came very precariously through a very, um, trying experience that in and of itself has probably launched me into the dark night of the soul. I, uh, after six court hearings, um, finally got custody of her, was supposed to adopt her at birth, precarious situation in the Bay area of California, had to stay in the murder capital of America by myself in a one bedroom apartment with her for four months in order to bring her back to Utah. Finally adopted her when she was nine months old. Wow. And so she's our little, but you know, what's crazy Heather is both of these children look like my biological children. They both have blonde hair and blue eyes, like my other children, um, Aww. it's crazy. Like, like they look like my husband and I, so that's, that's my, tr- so here I am 50. That's I have, I have a kindergartner and a priest or a first grader and a preschooler. And it's not the life path I would have chosen. And, and I will say that Eli and Emma both came onto the scene when my business was in full, like apex, like crazy busy. Yeah. Gangbusters. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was not convenient. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the other lesson. And if everything that's meaningful that shows up for us is never, con- it's never convenient. It's always for our soul expansion and our highest growth. So it never shows up in convenient ways. Oh, I love that so much. That is just really a beautiful thing to say. And it's true. It rings really true for me. Um, wow. All of that is so incredible. How did your older children feel when you brought the babies in? And also, what was it like for them when you were in California for four months trying to to save and get your youngest? Hell, all of it. Um, the, the part, the, to speak to the first part, everyone was excited at first. And then the reality of the, how hard it is day to day, like the older kids, you know, 12, 14, and 16. <laughs> it is hard. Yeah. You know, 12 and 14 and a 16 year old going, yeah, we're getting two younger siblings. I, it, in a nutshell, everyone just fell in love with these two beautiful children. But also on the flip side of that, it was, they changed the diapers. They did the whole deal. They babysat, you know, I've started paying them. Yeah, of course. But now that they're all in college and we've walked through that, 
initial, you know, oh my gosh, staying up at night and babysitting and all that stuff. Um, it's, it's, it, it has had its, um, we can see now that had we not done this as a family, if we not brought these two children in, it would have shifted the work ethic, their personal work ethic, the way they see life, the yeah. reality check of being a parent. I mean, we would go, we would go places like Noah and Savannah, my, uh, well, he's now 23. She's now almost 21. When they took the little ones out, everyone thought it was their children. They were a married couple. And, they, and they're like, we're never doing this again. Everyone thinks we're teen of parents. Course. We're never taking these kids. <laughs> and we're brother and sister. We're not married. <laughs> so yeah, it, those kind of That's things. funny. It, I can imagine. I, yeah. So it's, it's just the, it's just this, the, the plan the universe had for our family. That's the only way, like it was trying, it was miraculous. It was soul stretching yeah. it was hell. It was, um, all of those things, but yeah, here they are. And where would we be without them? Yeah. Oh, world works in mysterious ways. So Sheree, I know that you grew up in a very strict religious household. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm you can share or not share what that background was. It's up to you. But I'm curious, finding yourself unmarried and pregnant at 25, especially having grown up in a religion where premarital sex was not okay. How did this have an impact on your on your overall life? And also, um, when you met the man who is now your husband, was this an issue for him? You know what? I'm so glad you asked me that because I get to speak out about this for the first time publicly. When I, okay, so the, the religion is Mormon, Church of Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, I had actually served a mission and then got pregnant. So for those people familiar with that religion, um, you know, it's not typical for at that time anyway, for girls to go on missions, you know, boys go on missions all the time. But at that time it was kind of rare so I was just this like total devoted, like, okay, so I come home, I meet this guy, I go to Brigham Young University, got kicked out of BYU for basically dishonoring the honor code. And, oh boy. and this was, this was me going to my Bishop confessing. This wasn't me getting caught. It was just me trying to be in integrity. So, I get, kicked out, so I get kicked out of BYU. That kills me about, <laughs> particularly about, about this religion is that you, you share your truth and then you get punished for it. Yes. Yes. So there was that. The hardest part about this whole thing is I got disfellowshipped. So I was called into a court Mm. of men, no women, and was asked to basically talk talk about my sex life as a college student. And further, because I had been on a mission that, shall we say, the hammer fell a little harder. So I thought I was going to get excommunicated, but... Uh Disfellowshipment is basically a form of excommunication. Like you can't, you can't serve in the church. You can't pray publicly in the church. You can't take the sacrament, which is a weekly ordinance, um, like kind of like communion. So all of that stuff was stripped from me and I was pregnant. So I was already making a plan for this child. I was basically, and my Bishop was the one that kind of forcefully basically took out the church handbook and said, in the event that a girl gets, isn't in an unplanned pregnancy and there's no plans for her to be in a temple born in the covenant relationship, married, whatever it, we strongly suggest that this woman uh, choose adoption. So I was sort of, I wouldn't say I was coerced into adoption, but I was very spiritually pressured and I now see it as spiritual abuse just because of the whole mm-hmm. church court and the way it came down. I'd never felt closer to, to my maker, my creator, but 
this wasn't playing out that way. It, you know, it was my plan and path to choose to have this adoption experience, but I couldn't place it in the construct of this religion. Interestingly enough, I met my husband. So I placed her for adoption, but I was still under a disfellowshipment. Um, I still had that slap on the wrist. They, I had to prove that I was worthy to come back in. Wow. And my husband, Jeff, at the time, well, he, we were dating, we decided to get married. We wanted to get married in the temple and to be married in the temple, you have to be chaste. You have to be, you know, living certain standards, which includes no premarital sex, all of that. Right. Um, he hadn't served a mission. He was kind of this rebel guy. He um, had just reactivated in the church, but we both decided we, we wanted to get married in the temple. So what happened, Heather, it was so shame promoting is that um, I had to go back to the church court to get reinstated to see if I was worthy to get married in the temple. And they called him in as a witness to make sure that I was being a good girl, to make sure that we weren't doing those things. And I was worried worthy, worthy. So basically oh I did, God. he did gave me a glowing recommendation, right? He's like, Hey, listen, you know, I've never met a stronger. Well, woman. that was nice of it. Yeah, right? like, like, it, it was the reason he wanted to marry me. Cause I had walked through that and I had, he had seen the aftermath and how hard it had been for me and how I was knocked around in the shame department. I mean, I was beat up not only the grief of losing my firstborn, but, but you compound that with the shame of my religious wow. Um, and, and, and the fact that it was a bunch of men that I didn't know that I had to tell all this to, which just felt so wrong. Um, so I, this is the other thing about me. I've always been a feminist. Um, I never boldly said I'm a feminist, but there were so many doctrines of the church. I did not agree with like polygamy and just women not having visibility, women not having, um, a lot of the same privileges and yeah, I could see it from the time I was a young girl and I hated it and my mom hated it. So when I say was raised in a strict home, it was a very progressive strict home in the sense that my dad was a policeman and, and yeah. So my mom was just that seventies, like hippie feminist in a really grounded way. <laughs> so it wasn't wow. super shame promoting yeah. on, her, on that end. But I have since... On your family's end. Yeah, because, I mean, my sisters and we have a whole history of mental illness and a lot of addiction. And my parents had six children, but the seventh child came to them through adoption because my aunt committed suicide. And in her, three -year, in her letter asked my parents to raise her three-year-old son. We have had a very wow. pronounced... And, and did you also lose a sister? I lost a sister to suicide. to suicide. Yeah, I have a sister a year... This is crazy, so... I have a sister oh a year older than me and a sister two years younger. And both of those two sisters were diagnosed bipolar um, while I was getting my psych degree. One of them, the sister two years younger, took her life and left behind five children. So this happened. <gasps> oh, uh, my goodness. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, she was actually I can talk about it now because it was 15 years ago without getting overly emotional. But it was literally an earthquake, earth shattering. I mean, she lived in my community her children were ages two through 12. They were same ages as my children. Um, it's been a really hellish wow. path for our family to heal from. And at the time that that sister took her life, the other sister turned to our family, literally the, the second we found out and said, she beat me to it. So that sister had a suicide plan. So here I am between these two sisters with bipolar and suicidality. Oh, wow. So that has been a big, huge trajectory for my career path is um, not only because I already had a psych degree by the time my sister took her life, but I was more, I was, I was in the field of holistic psychology and really drawn into finding answers. Like I said, outside of the box has been my MO. Um, so now I, I'm actually a spiritual holistic psychologist. That's, that's sort of how I've labeled my 
<laughs> what I carved out for myself. I love that. And I don't know what it means. <laughs> I so know. tell everybody what spiritual holistic psychologist so, means. So, um, I, I, well, I went into really intensive, like, so I should also add this the year or the, when my sister committed suicide, I was Mrs. Utah. So it was a really public role. And, uh, this, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. You are, it's a beautiful, Sheree is a beautiful woman. Oh, thank you. Well, if that in and of itself was a ugly duckling to Swan story, but I, um, basically had taken three years of my life and intensely, um, self-educated on poise, beauty, projection, um, visual, everything, nutrition, yes, fitness, the whole deal. Is- and I had young children. So, yeah. um, it, when I won the pageant actually, yeah. So my sister took her life literally when I was the title holder and it garnered a lot of attention. So the Utah attorney general's office asked me to be on the state suicide prevention council. And I had a lot of opportunities to do a lot of, um, media, unfortunately through that tragedy, because I had a public role as Mrs. Utah. So that's when I self-published a book on depression. And so because my sister was on 12 medications at the time of her death and the other sister was on just as many, I knew there had to be more that this sister had been through every treatment program you can possibly imagine every medication, every doctor, every intensive inpatient outpatient to only grow worse. And so I made it my life's purpose and mission to find answers. Cause here I have these children who are carrying that same genetic sequencing for bipolar and addiction. Yeah. So yeah. what a spiritual holistic psychologist is, is <laughs> I could just narrow it down to spiritual psychology and because psychology is the science and spirit is the spirit. So there's that, there's the essence part of you. There's your, all of your energy fields and all of your, you are a multi-sensory being. And that is where my, my research has focused is a multi-sensory aspect of healing our senses being the portals to feeling good and feeling whole. And the wholeness piece is, you know, I have a women seeking wholeness podcast, as you mentioned that you've been a guest on. And so the wholeness piece is the spirituality. So integration. Yeah. So it's about integration, the science and the spirit. And I do have the both domains. I have gotten the traditional, I've been a, I've been a, I've worked at a psychiatric hospital as a counselor. I've worked in an addiction recovery center as a counselor. And then I've gone into this whole domain in my business with everything from essential oils to, um, you know, tapping and EFT and you name it. I even have an, a modality called perfect healing. So for me, it's looking at that whole being, not just the whole body and not just the whole spirit, <laughs> the being, cause it is your body is the vehicle for you yeah. to find the joy and to heal generationally. So that's been my trajectory and wow. Adoption just happened to merge into it. <laughs> For whatever reason that happened to be my soul path is to, yeah, to have that yeah. sacred journey of being a birth mother. And then I might also add, I had four miscarriages in a row because I had a dream about these two children. I knew what they looked like. And I knew I'm talking about the two adopted children. I knew that they looked just like my own children. And literally I had four miscarriages trying to bring them here until they showed up in private adoptions. So wow, one of my first loves, I'm a public speaker. I, I go all over the world in my business. I'm going, you know, I, I go to Asia and Africa and Australia slash New Zealand every year for my business as well as all over the U S and I talk about Love that. how, we are multi-sensory beings and that 
the things we've walked through that enable us brave have, which is why I love the name of your show. <laughs> those are Thank what, you. those are what we're experts in. Those are the, the experience. It's not what you learn in school. It's not all these things. It's, it's what your being has encoded through your life experiences, the people you've met and where your, your heart is leading you to learn and what you're fascinated. That is, that is your expertise. And we're all sitting on an empire of content in our expertise. So I now through my program, Stamp Speak Shine and the school, the online school I've started and just all these things. I'm super passionate about letting women bring that out and giving them permission. So I love raised in a high demand religion. (laughs) Yeah. And you are, we should clarify, are you still an active member of that religion? I am not. I hold it dear as my heritage. I have loved ones that are part of that and I honor where they are at, but my entire family is now labeled inactive. Okay. <laughs> it was an, it was a sabbatical that was needed, but I can go back into that space and honor where all those people at, are at. It's just, I just get too triggered in the way shame is perpetuated and the way women don't have the same authority, voice, and visibility. Yeah. And that really is so much of the work that you're doing. Tell us a little bit about the school you've created and what are you, what oh. are your hopes and dreams? Yeah. Yeah. What are you building? Oh my goodness. So stand, speak, shine school is this. It's just standspeakshine.com. So the stand is be in your body. I did a 200 yoga teacher training with my daughter last year, learning how to land in the body and breathe and be here and be embodied. That is massively huge. Most women disassociate from their bodies. So stand. And then the speak is express Use your voice if that's what it is, if that's your mode of expression, but find your vehicle to express or you will die. You will get soul sickness and you will become depressed. So that's the speak. And then the shine part is your essence, the multisensorial aspects of you that are looking to, it's your aura, it's your field, it's your shine factor. It's the it factor. I have trained a lot of women to become beauty queens. There's that, but it's more than that. It's the essence of what makes you stand out. So the Stand Speak Shine School is a three-month self-actualization program for women. I'm launching it January 6th. I've never been more excited about anything because it's taking all of my like pageant experience. It's taking all of my soul experience, it's taking all of that research I've done and the holistic psychology and it's, and the science and it's morphing it into a program for women so that they can show up and be who they are. That's it. Just be who you are. That's the only thing you have to be. Um, so it's landing yeah. and landing in the body and being free and giving women that, that sacred, centering, um, for whatever that looks like for them has nothing to do with religion. It has nothing to do with how you define God or spirituality, but it is just finding your center and landing into it and being who you are. So that gets me all fired up. (laughs) I I just am so excited. I love it. it. Yeah. It should get everybody fired up. I think it's amazing. And I really honor the message that Well, and this is, it's clearly obvious that, that your history of abuse and shame and, and by abuse, I mean, sort of putting you in that, forcing you to feel shame in spaces that you should not have been shamed. Your stories are what make you, you, they're what make you strong. They're what make you capable. They're not something to hide from or be afraid of. Mm -hmm. And I'm owning that. I really am. And I'm 50 years old and it has taken me this long, Heather, to be okay to speak out about that shame. (laughs) Is that messed up? I mean, 
I know there's so many other women. I, I mean, see it in their eyes. I see it in their eyes. They're just, they're yeah. hiding and they're afraid and they know something's off and they just don't feel safe enough to let it out. And I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully the work that you're doing uh, and the work that you know, I'm doing and so many other people are doing will help this story be different sooner or maybe not ever even be a story for other women. So I love, I love everything about it. I, I'm curious though, Sheree, for you, what is the biggest struggle in this process to bring this work to life? Mm, the battle with myself and feeling self-worth, like genuine self-worth and not second guessing. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, cause we can read about it and we can have coaches that guide us there and we can have all these positive, you know, trainings. And at the end of the day, you have to tuck yourself in bed at night. You have to, you know, you have to take care of yeah. you and giving, feeling that, that like I value myself enough based on, you know, not like letting go of past performance, letting go period of a performance-based worth mentality, Letting that go completely has yeah. been, cause I am a yeah. high achiever. I've always been a high achiever. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like, how do I separate? And I'm learning that it's, I'm just okay. Just cause I am, I, I exist. I breathe. I'm a person. I am a being and that yeah. has to be enough. I love that. I love that message. That is beautiful. What would you say has been the greatest joy or maybe an unexpected, pleasant surprise? Hmm. Funny you should ask that. It's, it's the, cause you know this, I was going to get divorced when I met you and here I am reconciling my, yeah. per, my husband of almost 25 years. And that that was a sweet surprise. It's like, I did not realize what a gift that marriage or this person was in my life and how precious that connection is not just as friends or people that parented together, but as spiritual partners, as people who are romantically connected. And that's been a gift of this year also. So this year, literally I filed for divorce, left my church, <laughs> like, and now it's coming <laughs> back to, wow, that was those those undoings were actually gifts. They were gifts. Yeah. I was just thinking, and thank you for sharing that with us. Um, I was definitely surprised when you, when you shared that with me right before the I know, interview, I dropped that of bomb. course we You're all like... just want you to be happy and, and <laughs> yeah. healthy. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> You're wow. like, Hey, wait, <laughs> <laughs> I do believe that in our lives, we often have to break it apart to build it better. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of value to that. Sometimes things just are not working the way they are. And maybe they then need to be cast aside. I think that there's space for that. That happens a lot. And sometimes you just got to tear it apart and rebuild it the way you want it, because obviously yeah. something wasn't working. Yeah. Uh, but there was enough to build a new platform and, and a foundation for growth and support and love that you hope for. Absolutely. And, and, you know, uh, the whole burn it down and build it up again has been a theme for me the past couple of years. And 
I think that we were always just, I mean, like how we started our marriage. Come on. I mean, yeah, right. Yeah, for sure. I was grieving this. So now we're like, what do we actually want to create for our family? What do we actually, what is, let's take the trauma out of this and let's build what we've always wanted and claim that. So, yeah. I love that. I think it's really beautiful. That's a great transition into one of my favorite questions, which is how do you celebrate both um, big and small things that you consider successes or wins? How do you like to celebrate? Oh my gosh. Okay. So it's kind of grandiose. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I'll give you the, okay. I'll give you like the lame version and then I'll give, so the small celebration is, you know what? I deserve like a Netflix binge. Okay. That's the first thing. Yes. Because I work so hard. Yes. And then the second thing is I love to travel. Wait, real quick. What's your favorite? Oh, I. What's your favorite Netflix show? I love The Crown. I know know the new season's out, so I'm pretty much getting. Me too. Really? Oh, I love that. Um, (laughs) And Outlander has been a a recent. Yeah. Those are very different. I love that. Yeah, they're very different. This is a um, a sidetrack. Sorry. And you love to travel. Keep. Yes. I am a world traveling girl and I love to just create these trips and then surprise like one of my kids or a loved one or a group and just be like, let's do this. So I, that's the grandiose part is I love to plan trips. That's awesome. And, um, just, get it all, you know, the itinerary I'll put together. And it's like, Hey, and I plan to do that after my Stan Speak Shine School launch, we're taking our family of seven to the Dominican Republic to renew our vows on the beach. We've already got the house reserved. So oh, I love that. Yeah. So 20, it'll be right before a 25 year wedding reunion or a reunion anniversary. So yeah, that's, that's how wonderful. the reward of walking through the hell, that's pretty much what I do. <laughs> it's a good one. Good for you. Wow. What a, what an inspiration and a joy you are. You have such a fantastic energy. And I found that I felt that as soon as we met and in person, we were, we were at Allie Brown's iconic conference together. It was so much fun to get to know you. And I just felt that connection. Same. I was just like, this woman has a lot of power and light and you were really vivacious. And I was like, she's a soul sister. Like I need to get to, yeah, we need to connect. So I'm glad we did. Thank you. Me too. I love it. Uh, Well, so as we get prepared to close the interview and and I think we could share so much more with people, maybe there's an opportunity to collaborate in our future, but I'd love to find out what your favorite charitable organization is to support. You know, um, I love doTERRA healing hands, but as a sub group of that. I actually um, took a group group of my people to build a women's empowerment center in Africa last year. And so um, that's a charity arm of that. And I'm really going to be developing that this year, but it's right now it's doTERRA Healing Hands, which helped to sponsor part of that. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And for those really quickly, those who don't know what doTERRA is, will you tell us about that? Oh yeah. So doTERRA is actually part of my, is my main business. One of the reasons I travel all over the world. It's a wellness company. It's an international wellness company and their flagship product product is essential oils. And so I teach the multi-sensory aspect of that piece of it with smell and touch. And yeah, it's been really, it's been a really awesome journey. So it's D-O-T-E-R-R-A, doTERRA. Yeah. I'm a big fan of essential oil. So I love that so much. And we'll have links to all of that um, 
for everybody they can learn more about what you're up to they can check out the school whatever it is y'all should get to know Sheree listen to her podcast because she's doing amazing things in helping people know that their journey has led them to where they are they are worthy they are enough they are capable and valued and all of that so stick with her you're gonna she's gonna see amazing things from her Sheree will you share your three words with us one last time I would love to. I feel better about them now. Soul stretching, brave and loving. I love those. And I think they work so well. I love this concept of soul stretching. Uh, and we are all called to do so and grow and transform and burn it down and rebuild it and whatever that is. <laughs> I, I love it. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us today. Thank you, Heather. I loved it. Listeners, I'm really glad you got to go through this journey with us today. I hope that you are inspired to to live your truth and use your story to help you grow and do new things. Never be ashamed of where you've been or what your life experiences are. Everything can be used to help us grow, have more, know more and do better. I want to thank Sheree for reminding us of that. And if you have thoughts on this episode or anything else, I invite you to give us a call 312-646-0205. I love to hear from listeners. I promise to respond to each and every one of you. And I hope that if you like the show, you will consider becoming a sponsor on Patreon. We cannot do it without you. We're trying to build something massive here and create an entire brave community of people from one part of the world to the next. I want to welcome you into that family. And I promise there's a tier level that will work for you. So visit us on patreon.com slash brave files and figure out what works best. I hope that you go out and have a wonderful week. This is Heather Vickery reminding you today and always to choose bravely. The Brave Files is proudly supported by Audible. If you enjoy listening to podcasts, you're sure to love listening to your favorite books on Audible. Get your free 30-day trial complete with a credit for a free audiobook download today simply by visiting audibletrial.com slash thebravefiles. Again, that's visiting audibletrial.com slash thebravefiles. You've been listening to The Brave Files, stories from people living courageously. To learn more about the show, find our show notes, or get some great bonus content, visit thebravefilespodcast.com. And we'd love to know what you think. You can give us a call at 312-646-0205. Let us know your thoughts on the episode, the show in general, or maybe share with us how you're out choosing bravely. This episode is brought to you by Vickery & Co. Success Coaching, coaching that helps you maintain a life well-lived and a business well-run. Learn more at vickeryandco.com. Our music is produced by Matt Lewis. Follow him on Instagram at mattmmusic or visit his website, theunionband.com. We couldn't do any of this without our extraordinary audio engineer, Andrew Olson. Learn more about him and check out his work at findandrewolson.com. And special thanks to our associate producer, Kim Statler. I'm your host and executive producer, Heather Vickery. Thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you next week.